this is not a typical sermon like I ever give typical sermons, but I want to talk to you like your pastor, like a father would to his children. Every year at the end of the year, we get our whole family together, and the, and the, word, the Lord gives me a word for our family. In fact, for 2020, Christmas Eve 2019, we sat in our barn on the floor, and, we, and I said this to them. I said, the Lord says 2020 is going to be a difficult year, but it's going to be a great year. And boy, has that been true for us. There's things that I'm going to share that I'm not going to share with my family. These are things for us as a church. And I want to begin this morning by just helping everybody to understand a couple things that's happening in this season of our culture. One is you need to know that for many years, America was a Christian culture, right? And then it became a postmodern, and many people called it a post-Christian culture, where Christianity wasn't widely accepted or practiced. And then it be, there, the culture began to be antagonistic and hostile toward Christians. And we are now in not a post-Christian culture, there are many people who have, many Christians who have slowly adapted to the fact that we live in a post-Christian culture, but we're past that now. We literally are living in an anti-Christian culture. And you need to know that as a believer because there's, a, there's adjustments that need to be made. As a pastor, as a church, there's, there's things that we need to calibrate to understand. You know, in my old cul-de-sac where we used to live, um, if I was a Muslim cleric or if I had gender confusion, I would have been more widely accepted in our neighborhood of 750 homes than when people found out that I was an evangelical pastor. And we live in the Bible Belt in North Atlanta. But that's a post-Christian culture. It's an anti-Christian culture. And by the way, being in an anti-Christian culture, that's not, in, that's not new. That's, we're about, in the, in the late 2000s, mid to late 2000s, after we dealt with 9-11, and I could break a lot of this out, but it would bore you with historical facts that you may not be interested in. But we've been in an anti-Christian culture for 12 to 15 years, and it's becoming more and more antagonistic and hostile. Now, don't be alarmed, just make adjustments. Why you say don't be alarmed? Because there's good things that happen. I don't know in a, in a fully Christian culture if that was even good for the church because people can coast. It's like if you're part of a big company and the stock is up and Adizzi's book, Corporate Life Cycles, when everything is in the go, go, go phase and there's way more cash on hand than you can spend or need. Every person in sales, every manager, every high-level exec, every secretary, everybody, they can coast because the stock is going up. And nobody can do wrong. But as soon as that, that stock starts ticking down and the cash flow shrinks and there's more expenses going out than coming in, upper management starts looking for who they can cut. Who, is, who has been coasting? And I think what we're in right now is a season in the American church where people are, 
having to get off the fence. One prophetic word that came out a week or two ago said that God is removing the fence, that you're not going to be able to straddle it. There is no demilitarized zone. There's no place to go as a believer where you're safe. You've got to just go ahead and be a believer that's used to warfare. And you've got to be filled with the Spirit. You have to have knowledge of His Word. Stand on truth. And you will prosper. Are you all out there? Now, don't go, oh, Pastor Chuck, this is heavy. No, this is, this is heavy, but really, really, really good. So... Um, I want to speak to you this morning about this, uh, with that backdrop of post-Christian, no, anti-Christian culture. No coasting, the fence is removed, no demilitarized zone. The church is going to be identified as the church. And the people who have been going to church, who aren't part of the church, are even now being exposed. And what's happening if you look at the numbers, it's very concerning, but don't look at the numbers because what's happening in the Western church is, is remarkably awesome. And um, exposure is happening everywhere. So with that said, I want to talk to you this morning, and the title of the, the teaching is Where God Lives. Where God, and some the scriptures say, where God dwells. And I their church is called a dwelling place. And I like that if it's a dwelling place for him being there. But when we talk about us dwelling in the church and not going out and being the salt and light, that's, that's bad. But we, we want to be where God lives. And where God is, his glory will be there. His presence will be there. His kingdom will become. Miracles will happen. Miraculous conversion experiences. Salvation. Healings. Deliverance. Lots of where he is. And so we want to be a church where God lives. Amen? Paul writes the book of Ephesians while he's imprisoned in Rome. He writes a couple other books, Philippians, Colossians, and, and there's one other. But the message of Ephesians is mentioned, the whole theme of, of Ephesians, the book, is mentioned three times in the first chapter. And this is the theme of the book, to the praise of his, God's glory. Over and over and over, Paul is talking about, may you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you can understand the praise of his glory. You've been saved by grace, not by, not by works, to the praise of his glory. And on and on and all the way through, Ephesians 6, we're in warfare and you're going to overcome to the praise of his glory. That's the theme. Now, he glorifies himself in the church by doing two things, by uniting people. He's, he speaks specifically to Jews and Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? Gentiles are every other race except for Jews. There's Jews and Gentiles. And Paul is now the Jewish apostle, remarkably saved, who has a unique ability to connect with Jews and Gentiles and he's writing to a, a church filled with Gentiles. And he says, God is going to glorify himself in the church by uniting the two. And then he gives us actually three pictures in, in chapter 2. He says, I'm going to make the Jews and Gentiles one nation. Then I'm going to make them one family. And then he says, I'm going to make them one body. They will be the body of Christ. Jews 
and the Gentiles, every race will come together and be the body of Christ, the, the church. Um, the second thing he does, not just by uniting people, but he will bring the church to a place of maturity where it will be strong and be able to carry out the mission to bring praise and honor and glory to God. Now, to grasp the message of Ephesians, you have to understand two words that you see in chapter three, and they are dispensation or administration and mystery. I'm gonna try and keep it from being too theologically boring. Paul is saying, God has dispensed this knowledge, this grace, this understanding to me to help you understand the mystery, something you couldn't know, something that's almost too good to be true and hard to understand. This is why Paul, and you hear me refer to it a lot, Paul says in Ephesians 1, I pray that you will have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want you to know that there's some things that are so deep, once they're revealed to you, you're gonna have to have wisdom to know how to live them out because they're explosive. In chapter three, verse eight, B part through 10, he says, this grace was given me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches or the mystery of Christ. How many of you know Jesus is too good to be true, but he is? Like you're still getting understanding of how awesome Jesus is. Anybody? This morning in worship, you're going, I, I, I still, I'm trying to get my arms around. That's why Paul keeps saying this mystery. Now, he says in verse 9 of, of chapter 3, and to make all see what is the fellowship of this mystery. Please, I'm going to give you some deep concepts before we get to some simple truth, but what God is doing in the American church is amazing. He is doing that right there. There is a fellowship of people, a coming together of like-mindedness, I'll call it in a few minutes, of people who understand the depth of the mystery and because they're all getting together in one place, there is a fellowship that's happening that's more than just, hey, good morning, God bless you, fellowship. It's like deep, profound, foxhole buddy type of fellowship. And then in verse 10, one of my favorite verses, I have about like 42 favorite verses from Ephesians chapter six. I mean, from Ephesians, the six chapters. But this is one of them. And please, I don't have it up there because I want you to listen to it. And I want you to write it down and go home and study it. I do that strategically sometimes because I don't want you to get lazy and me do all the homework for you and you cheat off my notes and you don't study and you can't pass the test. But verse 10 says this. This is so incredibly awesome. He says, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Paul is saying now, the church is going to be the statement to everyone that looks at the church of everything God, his whole plan, the manifold wisdom of God will be known by what he does in the church. Now, everybody listen to me. There's a lot of institutions we're looking at now. The Supreme Court, the political system, Wall Street, um, 
United Nations. There's a lot of things being focused on right now. And I'm tempted to take my eyes off of the church too. But here's the deal. If we can be an Ephesians church where this mystery of who Jesus is, if we can be that kind of church that has a wisdom in Revelation to understand our place in the culture, even in, a, in an anti-Christian church, in an anti-Christian culture, the world needs to look and see who God is, how great he is, what he has done, is doing in reconciling lost men to him. He should see, the world should see that in the church. The manifold wisdom of God made known by the church, even, listen, to the principalities and powers in spiritual places, both angelic hosts and demonic hosts. Satan doesn't know everything. He doesn't know what to anticipate. And God is saying, I'm going to blow his mind by what he sees in the church. Are y'all out there? Now, finally, we get to our text. Ephesians chapter 2. These are, there are four verses. This is it for 2021, especially the last two verses. So mark these down, okay? Paul says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Jews and Gentiles, y'all are no longer disassociated with each other. You've come together, fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Please listen, built on the apostles' doctrine or teaching and what the prophets said. I don't have time to park here. We'll do it in the next few months, but we're built on this, the apostles' doctrine, teaching, and what the prophets have said. That's what we're built on. That is our foundation. But Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Now look here in verse 21. Everybody focus in. In him. In who? In Jesus. In Christ. In him, the whole building is joined together. <clears throat> Everybody in the building, every person, every block, we're on the foundation of the apostles' teaching and the prophets. But in him, we're all connected to Jesus. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Let me, let me say something I say a lot. We, racism and, and the, the, the healing of the races, the divide of the races, it cannot be a social program. It will never work. But as the races are connected to the message of Jesus, the heart of God, that's how the races are restored. And let me say, the races being made one, no longer two, but one, that is in the heart of God. Can I get a witness? And not only are they joined together or, or jointly fit, but it says, and rises or grows to become a holy temple in the Lord. And then Paul makes it, personal and he says to each of us he says and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit now I think what God is doing in the church he is there is a there's a supernatural season that the New Testament church is coming into in America and it's not only going to be supernatural as we gather corporately but in you 
two, as you become a place where God dwells by his spirit. I don't have a lot of time to talk about what that means, but my prayer is that everybody in this room will come to understand you in the Old Testament, the whole Jewish religion was, it was about the experience of where is God's presence in the ark, holy of holies, the temple, the cherubim, the manifest Shekinah glory of God. That's where God was. Where is he now? When we gather, he's here. And this is vertical church message. And when we're not gathered and we're out doing what we're doing, where is he? Right here, right there. God himself is in you. There's a lot of ramifications we could talk about it, but I don't have time. Why is all of this? To the praise of his glory. Now, Restoration 2021. Um, that we're facing some unique stuff in the coming weeks. Uh, there's been unusual growth in a weird season. We are building our staff. Pray for me. We need, I need a personal assistant. Like, I mean, we really need that. The whole administrative arm of our church. We're, we're praying and we need it. We're looking at the first week of February, the likelihood of needing to add an additional service. And we're looking at all oh, the changes that will come. We like being in one service. I do too. After preaching two services on Christmas Eve, I don't like two services because I get tired and I'm old and I like when we're all together in the same room. And I'm just saying, there, there, there's, there's some changes coming to us, but some things cannot and will not change. We are the people of God. We are one body. We are joined together, and we need each other. And um, we are not going to focus on numbers or growth. Listen to me. If you pray for Pastor Chuck, pray for the protection of me, my marriage, my family, and pray for the protection of my heart and my mind. Because here's my deal. I am after one thing, the glory of God. I'm after one thing, that this body of believers might be an expression of the manifold wisdom of our awesome God. What will I not focus on? Our church, our numbers, our denomination, our little kingdom. We will remain focused on his kingdom. And I pray that you also, if God's calling you to be a part of this church, you, you, some of you accidentally got here, and this is different from where you came. And my prayer is that every person who visits just one time, that you will sense God's presence. I'm tempted to preach 15 minutes about vertical church because if God doesn't come, we don't need to get here. We don't need to gather. We're wasting our time. When we gather, we expect him to come. We expect his presence to fill this room. How many of you want to get in your car every Sunday, every time you leave this place, and you want to say without a doubt, I am changed because God was in that place and he met me and he said something to me. Amen. Now, the second thing I want to talk to you, that's, 
Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22, but especially 21 and 22. I want you to begin to meditate on it. That'll be with us all year long. Now, let's talk about like-mindedness. If you've been around here for any time, you've heard me use the term, and we pronounce it a lot of different ways because none of us are Greek uh, scholars. Homo thumadon. Like-mindedness. Acts chapter 2, verse 4 says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. They were all with homo thumadon. They were all in the same mindset and in the same place. Everybody listen now. This same mindset, this word homo thumadon, it is where we get the word thumadon is where we get the word thermostat. And it speaks of the same temperature, the same degree of heat. When the disciples were all in one place. Now, how many of you know in, in 2020, it wasn't easy for the church to even get in the same place. And it was easy to get on the same Facebook page or live stream. Well, even then, how many of you remember, it wasn't that easy when we first started it. And Facebook was doing all kinds of crazy things to keep us from being able to do it. But Jesus, when the church is born, it says in verse 14 of chapter one, it says, after Jesus told him, don't leave Jerusalem until you have received power. Verse 14 says, they all continued with one accord, homothumadon. They continued in prayer. It's a unique Greek word. It's used 10 times 12 times in the New Testament, 10 of those times are in the book of Acts. And the other two are talking about how the church should be like it was in the book of Acts. It helps us understand the uniqueness of the Christian community. Thumadon, as I said, it's the same root word that we get the word thermostat. Same level of heat or passion. Have you ever been in a group project in college or in high school and there's four or five of you, and not everybody's on the same page? Have you ever had a group project and you're doing the heavy lifting? How many of you hate those slackers that are on your group project? It's usually the guys and the girls are doing all the work, truthfully. They're not on the same homothumadon. Coaches want their teams on the same temperature, the same degree of heat, of passion. Bands play better and musicians love playing with other musicians when they're on the same sheet of music, in the same measure, on the same beat, in the same key, in tune and on pitch. Quarterbacks love it when their receivers and them are on the same page and they're reading and reacting the same way. And they see that corner squat and so he turns and goes upfield and he throws a D. People love it when they're, we're all on the same page, the same level of passion. If you were here on May 31st, we opened our church building for the first time after being shut down and then four weeks in the parking lot. I share this to revisit 
so you can understand what God is doing. On May 31st, we opened up and we just had four weeks in the parking lot. And if you remember, the parking lot was so good to us that we even said, we may never go back in the building. It was so good. We were doing worship and people from the neighborhood started coming to our church and some still come. We had a, an Uber driver drop one of our members off at our church and that Uber driver and his whole family drive from Sugar Hill and they've been coming since May. His kids come to the youth group, a family of five or six. And so we got to Saturday night, May 30th, and we, we said tomorrow is Pentecost Sunday. We can't not be in there for Pentecost. Let's at least do a prayer meeting. And so we said, um, spontaneously, hey, we're gonna be open tomorrow in the sanctuary. Dean and Lisa will leave music and I'll share a word and we'll pray. And we didn't know what to expect. We weren't ready to open our building, but we, we kind of wanted to because we were getting ready to be in heat in the summer. And we showed up the next day on May 31st, which was Pentecost Sunday. And I don't know, there's probably 150 people in the room, but it felt like we had 3,000 for a number of reasons. The place had been empty for a number of weeks. And for the second and most important reason, everybody was on the same page. There was a, there was a moment, there was a, that was an event that was amazing. How many of you were here? You remember then, listen, sometimes you give a prophetic word and you go, that's from the Lord. I hope he fulfills it. Sometimes you give a prophetic word and you go, Lord, I don't know how you're gonna fulfill it. And sometimes you give a prophetic word and you're blown away at how he fulfills it. If you were here, I didn't even have a sermon prepared. I woke up that morning and was by, down at where I read and the Lord said, just mention the idea of homothumadon and the missing ingredient that makes the church the church. And that was the Holy Spirit. And I told the story about um, some churches have too much Holy Spirit. It's like Janie Moran and she put too much curry uh, in that curry chicken and it nearly killed me and my little brother. And I don't even, it was, it was curry chicken, all right. It was the devil's chicken. And it nearly killed us. And she accidentally put twice as much curry. And some churches are, it's all about the Holy Ghost. It's all about the Holy Ghost. It's all about the Holy Ghost. And there's no balance or no teaching. And then I, I said, and then some churches are like, no, no Holy Ghost. We don't do Holy Ghost in here. We don't even call him ghost. We call him spirit because we don't want to confuse or offend people. And we've not offended people, but we've offended God because we've moved so far from scripture. And I said, it's like, Cilantro, when we go to Chipotle, we get extra cilantro on it and on the sides because they never give us enough. And I said, without cilantro, our burrito, you might as well just go to Golden Corral. You understand? <laughs> and we talked about that. And I said, I believe, considering everything going on, churches closed, people confused, fear gripping our nation and the spiritual leaders of our, of our, of our churches, I said this, I believe that what's about to happen is God is getting ready to get like-minded people together in order that he might make the church irresistible. 
How many of you remember that? Little did I know that most churches would be emptying out and, and decreasing the number of people coming on campus while ours was, would increase and literally double in number. And if you know the history of the last five, 10 years of this church, you know what a miracle that was. And now to watch like-minded people who God is sending to this church. Many of you didn't even know we existed or you knew we existed, but not like we exist now. And there was an unveiling, an exposure. And what God has begun to do is those of us who have been around here, I don't know how many new families are here, but it's a lot. And I'm saying this as a pastor and I feel this is not from me. This is from the Lord. I shake my head and go, you are, I just met you and you're our people. You're like us. I'm glad you found us. It's been crazy. Now listen, even in crazy, amazing ways like this, um, in, with COVID and all the disinformation, information, misinformation, disagreement, division, I know that some of it is it's just a lot of people that said, this is crazy to shut down churches in a year like this. And so you're like, do they worship Jesus? Does the pastor speak English? I don't even care if it's good. I'm coming. And you came. And God came. And like, for instance, this is, this is God plays jokes on us sometimes. And he said, do you know how many new families we have here now who are chiropractors. We have in this church between 12 and 15 chiropractors. You should not need an adjustment or have to go somewhere else to get an adjustment. You laugh at that. I just go, I'm standing here every week and I just go, hi, my name's Pastor Chuck Smalley, Candace. Hi, Joseph. Hi, Mary. I bet you're a chiropractor. How did you know? God told me. The chances are you're a chiropractor. And, and it's, it's, it's more than that. You know, Travis, how you found us, your brother from New York, a pastor, comes down and says, Trav, you can't keep your family out of church for months. He goes online, Google Spirit Field Church or whatever, and y'all come and set up in the old balcony. And, and the story after story after story after story. We've had high profile pastors from other churches in the last three months stand and say to me, what just happened in that room? One told another member of our church in the lobby, I'm gonna have to take a couple days to process what just happened. What just happened? Brothers and sisters, hear me. There is a move of God in an upset, topsy-turvy, upside-down world where God is bringing like-minded people together. The fence is being removed and God is making his church potent again. What happened to the church in the book of Acts? 
Verses two through four says, and suddenly, when they were in one place, in one accord with homothumadon, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. How many of you would love to be in a church where we all get on the same page, united, and all of a sudden the Bible, suddenly things that happen only in heaven start happening in the room. You would suddenly hear things that you go, that came from heaven. That's not a praise team. That's not Lisa or Dean. I hear the sound of heaven in the room. And before you go, man, you Pentecostals, y'all are intense. Wait till you get to heaven if you make it. It's intense in heaven. The angels go, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And you go, I know, that's all they do. They're robots, right? No, they're not. God is so awesome. They take a glimpse of him and they go, oh, holy, holy, holy. They're angelic beings. And after a while they catch their, they recover and recuperate. And they, just one glimpse for thousands of years they go, holy, holy, holy. You see, all of heaven is in one place in one accord. And God's plan is for the church to be a little outpost of heaven, for the church to be a picture of heaven. And when the church is not caught up with who's on what instruments and how good it sounds, but they're caught up with him, and they say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You see, I'm getting ready to preach, and I know it's Christmas time. We, for so long, we've been entertaining people. For so long, we've been building our kingdoms, our organizations, our churches, and God has taken 2020, and he is saying, no, I'm getting ready to break that old model, and I'm getting ready to restore my model where my son, who I sent to pay the price for your sins, is, is seen as worthy again, and he is glorified, and people see his holiness, his purity, his love, and people begin to worship in spirit and in truth and then God says I want to send things from heaven into the earth and I've made a commitment I'm not going to do it in the Oval Office I'm not going to do it through the Supreme Court I'm not going to do it through the Democrats or the Republicans I'm going to do it through the Ecclesia my body my church my the bride for my son Jesus come on somebody we praise you, Lord. We welcome you, Lord. And here's what happens. Instead of people being impressed and going, wow, that church is sharp. They've got it together. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says, so continuing daily with one accord. Everybody say, with one accord. With one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, praising God and having favor with all the people. And having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. 
Brothers and sisters, we, don't under, we underestimate the power of unity, the power of covenant, the power of like-mindedness. How many of y'all tracking with me? I'm getting ready to drill down. Because we've been ambivalent about what the word teaches, we draw crowds. And because we don't hear exacting, precise teaching from the principles of God's word, we're left to kind of be nebulous on how we feel about things. And the word of God is a plumb line, Amos says, and we measure things by it. And when we preach the word, we're all able to go, I can dial into that. I want more of that. The power of unity. See, I, I would love to go to a church where um, I don't have to worry if my little eight-year-old goes to your eight-year-old birthday party that you're going to stop by a Britney Spears concert. I don't know why the Britney Spears, she's like, she's like, She's like my age now. Uh, whoever it is, who is it? Don't tell me. You'll indict yourself. Don't tell me. You don't know either. How many of you, like, I want my children to, Tracy, you have that picture of those lions. This is what I want right here. Surround yourself with those on the same mission as you. I, I want... I'm, I'm working hard on my children because I know you need me to have my children stretching your children. I'm working hard on my marriage because we don't want weak marriages to be the standard around here. We commit to Wednesday night church and having our kids in the youth group because we're, we're on the same homothumadon, as a lot of you, we're committed to reaching the next generation. We pray for Cindy because we have a passion. We have the same degree of heat that Lou and Jen Torino have for their children and Mark and Shine Joseph have for their children. And in this room, there's a lot of people who go, okay, we understand the clear mission of this church. We understand what the word says, and we are down for that. Sign us up. We will give our life for that right there. Are y'all out there? Anybody hearing what I'm preaching this morning? You don't have, I'm not asking you to clap. Just, just turn and tell somebody he's talking to you. Oh, the power of covenant, the power of unity, the power of like-mindedness. That's what God's doing in the American church. Last thing is this right here. Um, this is as we come to the end of the year and we prepare for next year. This is the stuff that I say almost every year. And I want you to understand First things first principle. First things first. Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's a well-known Bible verse, right? But seek first. Everybody say first. first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the... What is the message here in Matthew 6? This is middle chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. It's fairly important. It's about making life work. It's about 
living, how to live. Verse 19, Jesus says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, not on earth. In verse 24, he says, you can't serve two masters. You can't love God. You can't love one. and You gotta love one and hate the other. You can't serve them both. Verse 25 says, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, drink, or wear. And Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't worry about where their food's coming from. Look at the lilies of the field. He says, and he pulls out the Elon Musk. You know, the, those lilies, their wardrobe is, is nicer than anybody else's you know. And they don't worry about, oh, what outfit am I gonna put on tomorrow? This is Jesus teaching about life. And then he says, your heavenly father, he feeds and clothes them. You're more valuable to him than they are. So stop living like this. Start seeking his kingdom first. You're not alive. Start putting God first and your worry will go away. Let me ask you, brother and sister, where is God in your life? What number is he? You must understand this principle in scripture. God is into first things. He wants to be first. This is why we do our devotions in the morning, first thing. As I do this every year, I challenge you, don't let your feet hit the floor until you've at least said, Father, fill me with your spirit today. Don't let your feet, don't pull back the covers and get out of bed until you've at least acknowledged. Ask God to give you grace for that. That will change your life. Give him the first part of the day. This is why we start our year off in prayer and fasting. This is why on New Year's Eve, from 11 to 12.15, there'll be a group in here. When the clock strikes 12, we want to be on that first second of the year giving praise and honor to God and praying and giving him the first part of the year. This is why on Friday this week from 12 till 2, there will be four different communion services for you and your family. When our church was smaller, right, from 11 a.m. until 6 p.m., we took families one at a time, 10 minutes. Me and them served communion, shared a verse, and prayed over them. We're too big for that now. The elders and I will be here. And there's four communion services where you can come on New Year's Day and dedicate the year, dedicate your family. The first day of the year from 12 to 12.30, 12.30 to 1, 1 to 1.30, 1.30 till 2. And you can come to either of those four. And brother, I, I beg you as your pastor, as someone who loves you, don't, don't roll into this year like you have every other year. Don't think, Pastor Chuck, that's just religion. First things first. Listen to me. First thing, as we look back on 2020, how many of you are glad we were here giving God the first part of 2020? You know, I had the Lord call me to a fast like I've never been called to before, and I'm so glad I answered the bell. So we look back and we see God's provision. Who knows what 2021 has for us? But if, what, I, what I would have you do is give him the first part with an expectant heart, and I promise you, 2021, God will blow your doors off. 
How many of you know he needs to blow a lot of our doors off? Seriously, our minds aren't open to receive the fullness of all he has for us. Y'all are not, y'all are, y'all are ready for New Year's Eve. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting ready for 2021 and I'm trying to raise your level of expectancy. I'm believing, listen, the Lord spoke to us yesterday in prayer. Holy Spirit, we, we just welcome you right here, right now. Holy Spirit spoke to me in prayer yesterday morning and said this, and I said it, and I said, I'm gonna write it down because I think what God is saying to us is this. Please listen to me in the next few weeks. You are getting ready to see things that you hoped you would never see. And in the same token, you're getting ready to see things you'd only dreamt you might see. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, be prepared. Pastor Chuck, that's strong. You need to know what's coming. Luke chapter 21 says, in those days, men's hearts will fail them for fear. Not ours, because we're prepared. Our hearts won't fail us. Our hearts are gonna burst with faith going, God is at work. Are y'all tracking with me? I know what's happening in the culture. I'm, I don't bury myself in a library. I don't, I don't live in a monastery. I know what's happening. And I've been on my knees. I know what God is going to do. He's gonna keep his word. And there's a revival. There's an awakening. There's a homothumadon. Many of us in this church this pastor included, I've been looking for a year like 2020. I've been preaching myself sweaty, wet every Sunday, trying to wake up an American sleeping church. I've been popping blood vessels, raising my voice, going home needing a two-hour nap because the American church is asleep. Finally, she's at least being stirred. That's what's happening. Not because I've been doing all that, but because God's at work. Don't let your hearts be fearful. Do not be dismayed. Whose hearts will fail? Those who are walking in fear. We're walking in faith. I'm telling you, you we're getting ready to see stuff in 2021 that we've only dreamt we would see. How many of you claim that in the name of Jesus? Come on, in the name of Jesus. First things first, though, closing right here, Exodus chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. The first, the firstborn belongs to the Lord. He says, they are mine. It's very emphatic. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The first fruits. Joshua was told the first battle when you go into the promised land, I think there are 32 battles, but the loot from the first battle will be given to the Lord in Jericho. Not the second or the tenth. God's saying, all I want is one, but it's got to be the first one. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 5 says, In the course of time, Cain brought, the Lord to, brought to the Lord an offering 
of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. Did you see that? Cain brought an offering. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Around here, we believe and practice first things first principle. And this is how the whole universe operates. Do you, what do you mean by that? Do you know that Jesus is preeminent? He's first, whether you put him first or not. I'm closing with this, but it's a doozy. The whole, on, on Mars, Jesus is first. Gravity isn't the same on Mars, but first things first is. Jupiter, Jesus is first. He is preeminent. This is what Paul says in Colossians. So if the whole world operates that way, Christ is first, God is first. If you don't put him first, you're violating a universal principle and that's why you have to worry about what you'll wear, what you'll eat. You have two masters because you haven't put him first. Do you remember when you finally surrendered to the Lord, you tried your way and it didn't work, square peg in a round hole living, and you finally said, okay, Lord, I'm gonna do it. And, and it really dawned on you that you were ready to put him first. Anybody remember that? And how immediately things begin to click and make sense. Worry was gone, joy came, Confidence came. Worship was natural. That's what I'm praying for you. And that, look, look here. Oh, I feel, I feel my, my heart breaks for what some of you are walking through. Some of you, 2020 has been really tough. Some of us are, you're sitting here going, I don't know if I've ever put him first. And you, you, you don't need me to tell you about the misery you've experienced, the heartbreak, the failed relationships. But I'm here to tell you today, put all that behind you and start right now saying, okay, God, today, I'm gonna get ready. In 2021, I'm gonna make you first. Before I go out on my fr with my friends on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, before I, before I, before I, before I, before I. I'm not gonna bring you an offering. I'm gonna bring you the first part and I'm gonna give it to you. Look at me. As soon as you do, if you will do that, your life, the blessing, you'll finally be operating the way the whole universe operates. Can I get a witness? Come on, stand with me now. The musicians will come and let's, let's, if you guys will just be prepared to lead us in exalted overall. In the name of Jesus, I wanna pray for those of you who would say, Pastor Chuck, I do need, we need a correction. I need, God is speaking to me about some things 
that I, I, I want to I make him first again. I want to get order back in my life. If you're here this morning and, and God is speaking to you, would you just raise your hand just as a testimony to the Lord, to me, as we pray? Just hold your hand up. In the name of Jesus, whatever corrections, recalibrations that you need to make in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you for like-mindedness. Thank you for hearts that want to get on the same page with you, the way your kingdom works. Want to get on the same page, the same principle, making you first in our lives. As we prepare, Lord, for, for a new year, I pray for courage, that we would break old patterns, old habits, old mindsets in the name of Jesus so that we could, as we make you first, there'll be a, a, a level of expectancy of Hope, excitement, anticipation, faith rise up in the name of Jesus. For every hand that went up, Lord, I pray, we, we, we cast off doubt and fear and distraction. For every hand that just went up, I pray, Lord, for a breakthrough, because that's what we'll have to break through into a new era, a new season. When fear and distractions are calling from every angle, every area in our life, in the name of Jesus, breakthrough come. As Lord, whether it's in marriage, may marriages have homothumadon, a unity. Husbands and wives on the same page, wanting the same things with the same passion for their children. Families. The same level, same degree of heat and desire, wanting the same things. In the name of Jesus. And churches, all on the same page, in the same key. The same measure, same beat. In pitch, on pitch, in tune, in the name of Jesus. We bind everything the enemy would try to do to bring distraction, bring division, we pray, Father, for the fruit of your Spirit to be manifest in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, self-control. The ability, Lord, to have discipline about making you first. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Would you just now, just would you either hold your hands out or lift them up? Put yourself in a posture just to receive from the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Heaven's throne, you came, came to us and set your heart upon the cross. We'll never know the sacrifice you made. For all our sins,
let's make him first in our worship. Lead us. We sing your praise. We sing your praise. We sing your As a church family, we declare you are number one. It's all about you, Jesus. We make you number one. We honor you above all things. We exalt you above all things. Be the Lord of our lives. Be the Lord of our nation. We make you first no matter what. We praise your name, Lord. And we thank you for the power and deliverance of making you number one, of worshiping you and being free in you. And we speak liberty and freedom and deliverance and restore joy over every person in this place. And in our nation, we intercede and we stand in the gap. And may the church rise up the church in one place, in one accord. Spiritual leaders, pastors, evangelists, psalmists, missionaries, apostles, denominational leaders, in the name of Jesus, restore and revive the church in America that you might show forth the manifold wisdom of God through the church the bride of Jesus. In his name we pray. If you're believing God for revival, for good things, for life, for wealth and prosperity, for biblical truth, can you give God praise in the name of Jesus? Come on, like you mean it. Like you mean it. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Thursday night at 11, we'll gather in here, and then Saturday morning, I hope to see you between 12 and 2, and until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious to you, may he lift his countenance up on you, and may he give you peace in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a good afternoon.